How to become a singer for AAA video games and movies. That's what this episode is about with Julie Elvin. Welcome to Rewind, the podcast that will help you grow your music career. My name is Dr. Amit Weiner. I'm a composer for film and TV, and I'm on a mission to help musicians grow their music career. So how do you become a singer for AAA video games and films? Let's hear it from Julie Elvin herself. Um, so I think you can't kind I mean it's a good goal to have to be like I want to be on an AAA game or I want to be on a Hollywood movie that's a good like North Star kind of for yourself to have um, but oftentimes life is very unpredictable and you kind of just have to work towards um, just building a career there and also I would like to emphasize that I didn't really set out to be like I want to sing on all the big things but it was more like, I just want to make a living creating music because I love it. And um, so I, I think um, at least if you're a remote person <laughs> like me, social media is such a big portal to the world um, because, um, yeah, without social media, my career wouldn't have been possible, certainly. I, I'm just super grateful. I don't have an exact plan for in five years. I just want to be like... Um, as happy and healthy as I can, have my loved ones be as happy and healthy as I can and my collaborators as well, and that we can all just keep creating beautiful music together. Welcome to Rewind, an optimistic podcast that'll help you in your successful career in music. Amit Weiner hosts musicians, composers, professors and sound wizards as they share their life stories and career decisions. Stay tuned, it's going to be epic. Hello and welcome to another episode of Rewind, How to Grow Your Music Career. In this episode, our guest is a very, very special guest, Julie Elvin. Julie Elvin is a soundtrack vocalist, concert soloist, and musician based in Munich, Germany. She has been a soloist for Hollywood composers James Newton Howard, Lorne Balfe, as well as for Hans Zimmer's scoring company, Leading Fingers Music. She is a featured solo vocalist on the Grammy long-listed and BAFTA-winning video game Horizon Forbidden West, as well as the vocalist of the BAFTA-nominated Horizon Zero Dawn soundtrack. Julie was invited into the Recording Academy as a Grammy voting member in 2023. She performed in numerous other video games and movies. Julie, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. Let's start with the question of the episode, Julie. So how... To become a soundtrack vocalist in AAA movies and AAA video games, could you describe the journey that led you to where you are today? Um, yes, so that's like a very big question, I think. But in, in general, maybe I can start um, by describing like how my upbringing was with music and everything. <laughs> so I didn't grow up in a musician family per se, but um, my mom always used to sing around the house just like randomly. And so um, our house was always filled with um, singing in a very natural way. And my two sisters and I, we would just like join my mom in, 
uh, singing different songs. And so I always grew up with a feeling that singing is something very organic and natural that you just do around the house, you know. And then uh, when I grew up, I um, started to get very interested in um, recording. So uh, I learned to play the violin um, as a teenager and also the piano, and then also started to um, compose my own pieces that were already pretty like cinematic in nature, I would say. And um, yeah, so then when I was around 20 years old in my uh, um, university dorm, <laughs> I um, started to um, buy recording equipment and um, yeah, just started out recording my own compositions and it really felt like magic. I think a lot of musicians can relate to that feeling of you kind of discovering magic. Um, so I would like um, play a piano line and then record a few violin lines over it and then my singing and I thought there was so amazing that you can do that as just one person um, so yeah that's that's how I started out I then put all my music um, that I created up until that point um, on Spotify no sorry on SoundCloud back in the day and YouTube and yeah so this is how um, also Ivan Torrent um, a Spanish composer uh, discovered me and he listened to my singing in my own compositions and asked me to uh, sing on his epic music piece that's called Icarus. I think some people <laughs> who listen to epic music might know it and it kind of blew up and it became a success. And that's kind of how also um, his colleagues um, started getting interested in my vocals. So yeah, I became a remote um, session musician because I'm also um, based here in Munich, Germany. So I'm not in LA <laughs> like I think a lot of other composers or musicians are um, so yeah now I I'm just here <laughs> 10 years later um, specializing in remote recording sessions with composers all over the world and I'm just very grateful for that so Julie you have been working with some of the most amazing Hollywood composers of our time among them James Newton Howard and Lauren Balfe including in the Grand Turismo movie of 2023 and how was it to collaborate with those big names? Uh, did you do everything remotely? And how was the interaction between you and them? Yeah, it was, needless to say, it was such a dream come true. Um, so like, okay, let's maybe start with the James Newton Howard one. It was actually um, a concert um, in Vienna because um, James searched for a singer for his European concert tour um, to sing the Hanging Tree theme from the Hunger Games soundtrack and uh, with him and the orchestra. <laughs> and um, so he did like a big video audition um, and so many... Um, vocalists in Europe auditioned and I just didn't think I would have a chance um, but I also auditioned anyway because it was such a big dream for me um, he's one of my favorite composers um, and then luckily enough I was chosen so um, yeah I collaborated with him in Vienna for his concert um, and could sing the hanging tree theme with him and the Czech National Symphony Orchestra and what was so beautiful about it was also, you know, it was 2017, so I was kind of like a soundtrack baby still. <laughs> and what was so beautiful was that he is not only such a brilliant musician, but also just such a humble, down-to-earth, nice person. Um, so he immediately like took all the nervousness <laughs> away from me, kind of, um, just by being like nice and considerate. And um, it was such 
um, a special moment um, to to sing the hanging tree theme uh, with him and the orchestra and even the choir. And just imagine like I was um, walking in, um, starting the hanging tree theme because it's this um, scene in the movie where they decide to rebel against the regime. And so at first it's just Jennifer Lawrence uh, singing that first line and then more and more um, of the other people uh, join in. So I, I was walking on stage just like alone <laughs> with that first phrase and the first verse. And um, then um, the choir more and more joined in and the orchestra joined in more and more. And it was I would say almost a spiritual experience because it was just so special. And I think that's also just the power of music um, in general and live music uh, specifically. And the um, special thing was also that my family could be there. It really meant a lot to me. You know, my grandma in Austria, <laughs> who has, I, I don't think she's ever seen an orchestral concert before. And she was there and I don't think she fully realized like how much this concert meant to me or she didn't know who James Newton Howard is. Um, but it was just very... Yeah, very heartwarming, very special. I was also very nervous because it was one of my first um, orchestral concerts as a soloist. Um, but since then, I've really done a lot more concerts and feel very comfortable on stage now. Um, so that was the James Newton Howard experience. <laughs> and then um, as for... Um, The collaboration with Lauren and Andrew Kaczynski on Gran Turismo, it was very special um, because, you know, I had performed with Lauren um, already at the Game Awards 2021, so two years ago. Um, and we performed um, the Horizon theme uh, to the audience and to a huge live stream audience also. Um, so that was very special. And then he asked me um, last year in summer if I want to sing on his Gran Turismo uh, film score. And so that was just incredibly special and a big honor. And also um, then I mainly worked with uh, him and Andrew Kaczynski um, on the score and a lot of other video game um, people were part of it, um, like Austin Wintory and many, many other people also um, from our Horizon uh, soundtrack team, like Joris Timan and... Um, Yeah, so we also did a lot of cool vocal things that I wouldn't have expected beforehand. For example, we um, distorted the vocals a lot of times so that they sound a bit like racing car sounds. So I would sing a glissando, like <laughs> something like this, and it would be uh, distorted into, um, into mimicking the racing car sounds, for example. I also have a few... Um, clean vocals on the score where you just hear me just with a no quote-unquote normal ethereal voice. But then there's also a lot of like sound designy vocals where you wouldn't necessarily notice that it was a vocalist. And also um, my co-vocalist Jillian Aversa was a part of um, these singing experiments and the kind of um, all these sound designy vocals. So yeah, it was just very special. Wow, that's super interesting. So you are the racing car sounds in that movie, right? Not, not all of them. Not all of them, but Jillian and I are like some of the, I, I would say some of the racing car sounds and even like some, some uh, kind of wobbly sounds that are like woo, woo. A little bit like that. <laughs> so, yeah, it was fascinating. And also a lot of the collaborations on this whole score have been done remotely. So, yeah, I was recording here in Munich for uh, Lauren and Andrew. <laughs> wow. So first of all, I think it opens a lot of new possibilities for composers to understand that vocalists and singers 
can sing or can do other things uh, besides singing a beautiful melody. So that's even uh, that's very refreshing and innovative thinking. And I want to ask you about the, um, about working remotely with these composers. So I think this is something that I, I understood also uh, since COVID that the world is opening to new remote collaborations. So how is it working with you? How do you collaborate with the composers? What do they send you? Do they send you the melody or do you improvise? Do, do they send you the text as well? And what is the technical um, issues that you have when working remotely? I mean, could you describe your studio, the equipments that you use? Everything that has to do with those remote collaborations. Yeah. Oh, I love this topic so much because it's just very close to my heart. You know, without remote collaborating, I wouldn't have a career. <laughs> And it just means so much to me that people who are not necessarily in L.A. Um, can have a chance uh, to become soundtrack musicians or composers. Um, I, what I think is coming more and more now. Um, so just starting <laughs> with a question about the pandemic, maybe. Um, so in the pandemic, um, I was already a remote recording session vocalist for lots of years. So for me, it didn't really change anything except the live concert performances. And I would have had a recording at Air Studios as a soloist. <laughs> so that was also canceled. But all the um, remote recording felt very like normal to me, like before the pandemic, uh, for me at least. I know it's not the case for a lot of other musicians. Um, but yeah, so... Um, The specifics of how uh, we collaborate. So um, oftentimes uh, the process starts with a composer reaching out to me or um, a musician reaching out to me to be on the score um, or even a game company. <laughs> and um, then we just start to discuss ideas. We send um, files back and forth. Um, and usually I just need um, an instrumental file of the, um, yeah, of the instrumental. Sometimes it's an orchestral life recording already and then I record my vocal takes over it I oftentimes include different versions so that a composer can choose what kind of energy or interpretation they want and um, yeah then maybe there are some revisions or not it kind of depends uh, we kind of uh, stay in close communication there and it's always um, such a beautiful process and I think it's pretty magical that nowadays we can do that just remotely and still feel like we're collaborating on something special here and it feels like this beautiful uh, creative process together. I totally agree with you I'm doing collaborations as well as with composers and performers right now Uh, from Indonesia, from the States, from uh, Scotland, from Europe. So I totally agree with you. It's really fascinating and exciting to do these uh, remote collaborations. And if, um, if a young singer is uh, listening right now to the episode, what would you advise her or him to do regarding buying equipment and knowledge of sound and recording and knowledge of DAW? I mean, you have to have those skills as well, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So like, I think the basic skill every session musician should have is the musical skill. And also a very fast kind of you need to be a very fast learner of a melody or like different harmonic approaches. Um, because oftentimes you get the um, file for the vocal sessions on the same day or like the night before. So you have to really be fast to kind of find your interpretation and sheet music reading skills are um, very good as well. Like, sight reading. Um, 
it is not mandatory, but it really helps. So uh, sometimes I just work by ear where the composer sends me like a mock-up vocal um, and a lot of other times I work with sheet music um, or I write down my own like sheet music while I listen to the <laughs> to the vocal mock-up or something if it's a bit more like um, complex. Um, and yeah, where was I with my... <laughs> With my oh sorry, I mean I've, I've um, wandered off a little bit. I think it was a, so. What do the musicians have to um, the session musicians have to focus on? Yeah, and what equipments do you use? For example, which microphone or microphones do you use? And what DAW? What are those skills that you also have? besides singing yeah so um just to say i really started out with a very simple equipment so i just used a rode nt1a microphone which is very cost effective and i used it um in front of my closet which was filled with lots of clothes <laughs> so you know it kind of diminished the echo of the room like the natural reverb um, a lot and I did that for a long time and I was kind of like almost a little bit ashamed of doing that, but it worked really well in my specific setup. And I sang like this on the Horizon Zero Dawn score, on the James Newton Howard <laughs> um, audition, on World of Warcraft, League of Legends. Um, so I just did a, like the first part of my career mainly based on that one Rode NT1A microphone and a simple audio interface and my laptop with Cubase in there and the wardrobe with lots of clothes in there to diminish the echo. Um, and then, of course, at one point I noticed I want a more elaborate setup um, naturally. So uh, now that I've moved into my apartment a few years ago, um, three or four years ago, um, I also set up a more um, quote-unquote professional uh, vocal recording studio. I'm also speaking uh, from it here right now. I'm in my Isovox, which is a portable vocal booth. I really recommend it for um, portable solutions if you're renting, if you have neighbors who could hear you, because also um, it really helps um, to provide a very clean, neutral sound that is exactly what you want as a session musician. And then I have um, tube microphones. I'm a big tube microphone fan. Um, I use my SE Electronics R&T microphone that was co-developed with Rupert Neve. And then I also have a Manly, oh, let, let me think about how it was called, Manly Cardioid Reference Microphone. Um, and both of them I chose because of the warmth and clarity they provide. And yeah, so they both come with a power supply unit. <laughs> and then um, this all goes into an audio interface and like back to the Cubase software on my laptop. So that's kind of the basic setup. I also have my piano, like acoustic piano and violin here um, because, yeah, I'm a violinist and pianist as well. And um, yeah, and I have a um, simple master keyboard also if I songwrite or I compose something. Yeah, so I would say that's basically <laughs> the setup. Fascinating. And I think your career and the story that you shared uh, gives a lot of inspiration to the listeners because, first of all, you don't live in L.A., but you work with AAA com uh, composers and AAA movies and video games without leaving where the, um, the industry is right now. And I want to ask you something about that in a second. And also the thing that you said before about working with a laptop in the beginning of your career and with a regular, not expensive microphone, I think it gives a lot of inspiration. There's a nice sentence that Hans Zimmer uh, said once that nowadays you can do um, a film score on an iPad 
just with your knowledge and some sample libraries. And I think it's, it's so nice to hear it also from you and from him as well, that you don't need a very fancy and expensive equipment in order to do music uh, in the highest levels. That, that is very close to my heart, actually, to bring that message more out there, because I think, at least for session musicians, a lot of people think, oh, I can only start if I have like a 3,000 euros microphone or something. It's just not true. You can just take like something like the Rode NT1A. You'd, I think what is more important for vocalists is finding a microphone that really fits your timbre and your voice. So that is way more important than just throwing money <laughs> at equipment. And yeah, I... I I think Tina Guo also mentioned something like this. I think she actually also used a very simple Rode microphone for many, many, many years, um, uh, even up until a few years ago, I think, uh, maybe 2019 or something. So, um, yeah, she also always made that point. And I think it's just very important that we, like with all the like equipment craze that can sometimes be up there and the hype, <laughs> that we don't forget that... Um, It's more important to kind of modify the equipment you have to your needs or find something that really fits you. That is more important than um, just throwing money at gear and then hoping for the best. <laughs> But with that said, of course, right now, um, the I, I did notice um, that the quality, of course, um, is, um, of course, even a bit higher with the high end microphones. I mean, that's just how it is. Yeah, and I'm so happy we've uh, discussing this topic because there are those endless discussions and debates about, for example, which DAW is the best, you know, Logic, Cubase, uh, Ableton Live, Pro Tools. They're all good. They all work. Exactly. And I always write a comment on those discussions on Facebook or other social media platforms. I always comment that your ears and your brain are the most important DAW. These are really your tools. I mean, you work with your ears. You don't work with the DAW. The DAW is just an extension of what you hear in your brain and with your ears. So I totally agree with what you just said. Extremely well said. That That's beautiful. I will borrow that, Amit, <laughs> for my next interviews. <laughs> wonderful. Thank you. No, but that's that's wonderful. And Julie, so you're living in Munich because you were born there, right? I was born in a different part of Germany, but I'm uh, half German, half Austrian. And my parents kind of decided to kind of live in the, quote unquote, in the middle between that, which is uh, Munich. It's in the very south of Germany, very close to the Austrian border. So, yeah, I, I've, here is like my culture, my upbringing, my family, my closest friends are here. Um, so, yeah, I feel like a little plant that is kind of like rooted <laughs> <laughs> um, to this area specifically. And I, I love Munich. Um, I think mainly because I love being in Europe. Um, I just love like cute, walkable old towns <laughs> and stuff like this. I, I also really enjoy that we have like public health care and stuff like this. So yeah, I'm, I'm a big Europe fan. I mean, some things could go better, um, of course, but I, I really enjoy being here, if that makes sense. Yeah, so you actually answered my next questions, which I'll ask anyway. Maybe you can elaborate a little bit more. So have you ever considered moving to the States or to L.A.? Yes, <laughs> of course it has been on my... I, I mean, when I started out in like 2013 or 2014 um, and started to have my first soundtrack projects that were a little bit bigger, um, of course a lot of um, more professional um, composers gave me the advice to move to LA as quickly as possible or as soon as I can. 
Um, and I've really thought about it because LA is such a fascinating place as well and like full of creativity. Every time I've been there, I've been so inspired. Um, so yeah, I, I have naturally uh, considered it, but also um, with every like career decision or, or life decision, I mainly follow my heart and my gut feeling. Um, um, as combined with logic, of course. Um, but I always had a feeling I want to be here. Um, and then it started to work out in beautiful ways that I didn't even expect. So I felt like um, compelled to try out how far I can come, you know, <laughs> just from this place. And one of my kind of bigger dreams is also um, that Our in, I mean, it's, it is very valid that most of the industry, for example, is in L.A. or a big part of it. And that's beautiful. Um, I just also think it would be so amazing. Just think there. Just think about it. There would be a world where people from all over the world could become soundtrack musicians or composers, no matter where they're based. And I also feel I have a big privilege because I'm in a Western country, <laughs> you know. So um, how about like people all over the world just becoming soundtrack musicians in their own way and having like remote collaborations or flying to a different place to record something there with someone else? Um, I would love to see that happen even more. That's beautiful and I really agree and love that message of hope and collaborations from all over the world. Um, I, love, I liked it a lot. And I wanted to ask you also about work-life balance. Uh, you are very active also on uh, social media platforms. What is also prominent there is that you dance a lot, right? I mean, you're a, you're a you have a hobby as in dancing or do you do it professionally? And what do you think about... Okay, so what do you think about work-life balance? What are the issues that you see in other musicians maybe? And how do you solve that those problems yourself? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I can only speak for myself. Um, when I arrived in the soundtrack industry, I think there was always a huge emphasis on working hard, the hustle, 24-7 grind kind of thing. And like the less sleep you need, the better you will be off and stuff like this. Kind of the sentiment of just work extremely hard and then it will pay off and I love the sentiment because yeah I'm a very ambitious person and I think sometimes it's just very important to work extremely hard and get things done and at the same time um, you know because I'm I'm not only um, a vocalist I'm also a speech therapist so I went to medical university and I studied the human voice and the vocal cords a lot and nowadays I still do um, a little bit of speech therapy on the side um, so I help people who have problems with their voice and that kind of informed my whole view on health honestly also mental health um, Because a lot of the people who come to voice therapy, they use their voice in a way too like strained way. They kind of try to work hard with their voice <laughs> and it never works because we need some kind of balance also in our bodies. And um, it really informed my whole view on the hustle culture, honestly, because I, I mean, I'm quote unquote, only a session musician. I'm not a composer, so that's a kind of different field. But um, if we don't care for our voices as session musicians, if we don't care for our overall well-being and health, then I think we will burn out very quickly and our voices will get very 
kind of sore or have problems. And um, so I kind of switched my mindset there again a little bit after being a bit like <laughs> running with a hustle culture for a few years. I noticed how important it is to have some kind of balance in your life because What are you singing about if you don't have real life experiences that inspire you, you know, or like heartbreak or a beautiful dance event <laughs> in my case, or seeing your family, seeing your friends, having time for that, making time for that, um, eating somewhat okay or well and exercising, having enough sleep. I think that's so important. Um, And I'm sure the only like the, 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 the full grind and like 24-7 hustle works for some people and they love that. I just noticed for myself, I need the periods where I work like extremely focused and hard. And then I need some time off again to kind of feel inspired again and to feel like a whole artist, like a whole human, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I think every time you speak, I'm hearing myself and I agree with what you just said again. So maybe in the next answer, you say something that I don't agree with. But so far, I, I have to say I'm agreeing with everything. And the thing that you've said about music that comes from the experience, uh, the non-musical experience, experiences that you have, it really resonates with me. And there is a very interesting quote from Keith Jarrett, the great jazz pianist who said that music does not come from music. He said that most people think that music comes from music, but music comes from different experiences that we have as musicians. As you just uh, mentioned, when you go into the forest or when you go into the woods and you just see things or any breakup or any other emotional experiences that we have. So from those experiences, uh, music can emerge. And I wanted to ask you also, I think so many of the listeners are maybe wondering, so you live in Germany and in Munich and you work with Lorne Balf and James Newton Howard. So how is that possible? I mean, most listeners probably are uh, wondering, how do I get to work with such big names? So maybe you can share some tips or the things that you've done in order to work with such big names. Um, so I think you can't, kind, I mean, it's a good goal to have to be like, I want to be on an AAA game or I want to be on a Hollywood movie. That's a good like North Star kind of for yourself to have. Um, but oftentimes life is very unpredictable and you kind of just have to work towards um, just building a career there. And also I would like to emphasize that I didn't really set out to be like, I want to sing on all the big things, but it was more like, I just want to make a living creating music because I love it. And um, so I, I think um, at least if you're a remote person <laughs> like me, social media is such a big portal to the world um, because, um, yeah, without social media, my career wouldn't have been possible, certainly. Um, so I think, for example, for session musicians, it would be a good way to start out by um, maybe creating game music covers if you want to be more in games, for example, and then uploading that to your social media and just have people get interested in, in your music and showcase what you can do. And also at the same time, really work on your session musician skills. 
um, like the diligence, um, being on time with, with the rhythm, for example, being very fast with sight reading, if that's something you want to work on, all these more like musical skills. Um, but yeah, then also just sharing, I think nowadays it's mainly Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, even TikTok, <laughs> even though I feel like a grandma on TikTok, but I think it's, it's, it's all good platforms to share something, YouTube, um, and just showcase what you can do and always ask yourself like um, if a composer I want to work with um, comes to my page what will they see will they see that I had like a nice holiday and here is my dog and like this is the sea where I was at <laughs> that that is all like nice you can share that but at the same time um, you want to be sure that the person who sees your posts um, kind of recognizes you as a session musician right away. And maybe you can also start to collaborate with um, other maybe emerging composers who are also just starting out, experimenting, and then collaborating with them and um, putting it out there. And I think just having the patience to build um, your network and relationships organically is very important. I don't think there's a shortcut <laughs> to success there. I think you just have to build... Um, actual genuine friendships and like working relationships within the industry one at a time and yeah so that would definitely be my my advice to emerging session musicians and I think it's such an exciting time as well because we have like Instagram and TikTok and YouTube so um, yeah I think there are a lot of opportunities out there. And you have many followers on the different social media platforms and all the content that you are uploading is all by yourself or do you have somebody that takes care of that for you no <laughs> no 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 um i i first off i i wouldn't say i have a lot of followers um like as opposed to maybe a how do you call them influencers <laughs> i i don't have a lot of like followers um compared to influencer standards maybe but the followers i have are mainly my industry colleagues and uh, game fans or like film music fans so um that is just um i think the most important there that you don't try to get as many views as possible, but that you share something authentic from your heart that maybe only game music people will relate to <laughs> if it needs to be, or like only the film music people will relate to. And um, I, I personally, I, I do recognize that not everyone is as passionate about social media as I am. <laughs> um, but I, I think my passion just comes from that background that it was really a portal to the industry for me and to the world basically just seeing other musicians being inspired by them seeing what the composers are doing and the other session vocalists it's it just continues to be such an inspiration so um yeah i do all my social media content by myself i also film myself sometimes i film how i do vocal sessions I, um, yeah, I really enjoy doing that. Um, and I think what is just very important for any social media in, in our industry is just that it's authentic to you. So maybe not everyone wants to like post a dance video, you know, <laughs> or like something personal. It doesn't have to be. You can also be someone like I imagine maybe you're an emerging composer and maybe you just put out um, a post once a month where you just share really quickly what you're working on, what you can share without like uh, the, the NDAs and stuff. Um, I think that would be a good starting point. So everyone is different. And I think no two social medias are the same. And that's beautiful. Yeah. So just be yourself when you post on social media. That's the 
that's the most honest tip I think we can give to the listeners. Uh, if you pretend to be somebody else, then people will always notice that uh, you are pretending. I mean, people are very uh, sensitive to content which is not authentic, as you've just said. Yeah, and but at the same, sorry <laughs> to to interrupt you. I just thought at the same time it's also it's important to be authentic and to also have your business mind switched on just a little bit on socials. Um, like both are should be in balance. I feel. Um, yeah. So, for example, an example of my own life right now, I noticed, oh, I'm posting a lot of um, videos where I'm vocalizing. So these ah <laughs> sounds that I'm kind of known for. And I was like, oh, I don't really post a lot of um, lyric singing at the moment. So I put out something like that um, just before the holidays. So you can also have like your little business mind in there and be like, what would be good to hear for people? But at the same time, yeah, total. Uh, totally the authenticity is very important i agree yeah i actually wanted to ask you also about what you are singing is it usually vocalize uh, vocalize like a uh, high as you said or uh, any other vowel or is it usually a text and where it is when it's a text what text is it i mean who writes the text yeah Yeah, that was also in your previous question, right? I, I kind of glossed over it <laughs> a little bit before. But um, yeah, so um, I think a lot of vocal sessions I do at the moment are these cinematic vocal sessions where I do vocalizations. So for the people who um, maybe don't know what vocalizations are, you basically um, sing without lyrics and your voice is a bit like an instrument and you just sing on different vowel consonant combinations. For me, it's oftentimes on ah. <laughs> so like think like the horizon theme something like this um, but then also um, I have more and more um, vocal sessions at the moment where I also sing uh, fantasy languages for example my theme on World of Warcraft the Anduin theme was with a fantasy language from the game um, but then also like just plain normal English lyrics feels refreshing at the moment as well <laughs> and but then also even within vocalizations there are so many different types of vocalizations you can do you can sing more like ethereal in a more like quote-unquote elvish way but then you for example right now I'm discovering more and more of these like Nordic singing styles um, with the different ornamentations that you would maybe call like Viking-esque <laughs> in some way. Um, and I'm developing myself more there at the moment as well. I just did that on a video game theme that I can share sometime soon. So I'm <laughs> I'm excited for that. Um, but yeah, um, in, in general, um, I, so oftentimes a composer will ask me to sing a specific main melody and then I will also maybe improvise some parts for example in the intro or outro or the bridge or somewhere in between um, and yeah so oftentimes it's a mix of these two things sometimes it is only improvisation which I also enjoy sometimes I'm, I, I also become a co-composer and um, compose a certain melody within a game or um, a soundtrack album so it kind of always depends. And I think that's also the beauty of it, that each collaboration is a bit different. Yeah, I think those vocalizations became very popular after the Lord of the Rings soundtrack by um, Howard Shore, where he uses a lot of those elvish, as you've said, uh, vocalizations. But I think you got us all curious. So what are the differences between elvish and you said Nordic and also Viking, right? So maybe you can, maybe you can just sing an example of just a very short... 
I mean, just for us to understand the differences of different vocalizations, I think it can give a lot of inspiration to all the listeners as well. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, I, I would say at least my every vocalist is different, but my more ethereal style is, I think, my signature sound that was like showcased in the Horizon soundtrack. So Horizon Zero Dawn, Horizon Forbidden West, the video games. Um, and um, so it's more, for me at least, it's a more breathy sound. So also my higher register is a bit more breathy there. And now I've been learning more and more to use something that's called twang. I'm not sure if you heard that term before what is it okay <laughs> so singers <laughs> so singers use it but um, I discovered it uh, so um, okay let's just say there is um, something called belting where you um, kind of have your a bit stronger chest register that is a bit more low normally you kind of bring it up higher so that you can sing higher but still with a lot of like piercing through energy and not as breathy And I'm normally, my voice is very not twangy, not belty. <laughs> It, I have like a very breathy voice. It's more mellow. So I've been using that a lot. But um, now, again, back to like my speech therapy clients, my vocal clients, I've been working with some, um, interestingly enough, some trans women and they want to feminize their voice. So we use a bit more of a twangy voice, which is a bit more like that. So it's <laughs> it's just a bit more like, when you go to a higher pitch, but then also use a bit more piercing through sound. And while doing that, I noticed that I found a way to make that twang work also for my singing voice, which I didn't think was really possible before. Um, and yeah, so it's that kind of like a little bit more piercing through sound. Um, so maybe I can just give an example of, of a note that is more ethereal and a note that is has more of that like strength and twang. <laughs> okay. Okay, so ethereal, um, an ethereal note would maybe be so very breathy and something like this is more of this kind of twangy sound where you use more of the, your chest voice in the higher register. Yeah, there was a huge difference. It was like two different singers uh, all together. So I think, Julie, first of all, thank you so much for your time. I have just one last question, but again, thank you so much for being on the show. I think this episode gave a lot of inspiration uh, for all musicians that are considering um, a career in, let's say, remote performances and being a session musician from um, different parts of the world. And as you said, that you imagine a world where everybody are... Uh, all musicians are collaborating together and being soundtrack musicians from different places in the world. You don't have to live in the US or in LA in order to uh, feature your voice and instrument in AAA films or any other film. First of all, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. And the last question is, where do you see yourself in five years from now? I'm asking it each and every guest and I would love to hear your thoughts as well. What is your vision to yourself in five years from now? Yeah, I've always been a bit like feeling awkward about that question in the past. Um, but I listened to Mason Lieberman's episode um, with you, um, which was, I think, two episodes before mine now. And I loved his response because he said he just wants to keep doing this because he loves it. He loves collaborating with the different people. And my response has always been pretty similar, honestly. I mean, I do have some like big ambitious goals in my mind, but all in all, I just want to 
keep doing this because it feels amazing and it's I, I think there's so much more I want to discover with with what my voice can do, what I can help people with, with their voices and their journeys. Um, and I think it's just so special. I mean, it's so um, uniquely special to be a part of this industry and to actually, quote unquote, make it as a musician. I think that in itself is such a luxury um, that I think just Every year I can keep doing this. I'm just grateful at the end of the year that it's still working, that it's expanding. And I think in our industry, you can never really know what will happen two years from now, 20 years from now, you know, where you will be at. And I just think, I just want to be grateful for what is possible right now, what I can do and how I can help other people um, with their voice and their journey And that's just, then I'm just happy, you know, <laughs> that's that's all I could want. And just keep experimenting with different vocal styles, doing more live concerts as well, which is happening now this year as well. Um, yeah, I, I'm just super grateful. I don't have an exact plan for in five years. I just want to be like um, as happy and healthy as I can, have my loved ones be as happy and healthy as I can and my collaborators as well. And that we can all just keep creating beautiful music together. Wow, that's such a beautiful quote to end the episode and I will cut it and put it in the beginning oh. as well. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, because it's such a lovely way to end the episode. And you know, the podcast is called An Optimistic Podcast about career in music, which is something that is very important to me as a person to be optimistic all the time, no matter what happens around me and around us. I'm, I can say I'm always... choosing to be optimistic and I think that was a very nice optimistic quote to end the episode I, I mean your outlook on the industry is so wonderful um, yeah I, I just also always enjoy listening to your perspective on things and I think we should do an episode where it's like Ahmed Weiner gets asked all these questions <laughs> that's a beautiful uh, idea maybe in uh, episode 50 you will interview uh, me <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> I would love to hear your views on all of this. That's a date for episode 50. Yes, please. <laughs> Schedule. <laughs> Wonderful. So once again, Julie Elvin, thank you so much for being on the show. I think it was a very, very inspirational episode. Thank you. I really enjoyed being on it and thank you for having me. And to all our listeners, thank you so much for your time and for tuning in. If you want to learn more about music career issues, visit the blog of the podcast at www.amitweiner.com slash rewind. You'll find many more articles and insights that will help you grow your music career. And I will see you in the next episode with another awesome guest. Stay tuned. Bye-bye. Welcome to Rewind, an optimistic podcast that'll help you in your successful career in music. Amit Weiner hosts musicians, composers, professors, and sound wizards as they share their life stories and career decisions. Stay tuned, it's gonna be epic.